What's up, everybody? This is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to Magical Thinking, brought to you by ArtofMagic.com. The guest for this episode is Justin Willman. He's a magician and comedian. He's been television host and done comedy specials, and he's kind of a big deal. Uh, <laughs> he's a really cool guy. Came over and sat down and talked with me for a while about a lot of comedy. Um, he talked about some of the cool projects that he's working on, being funny, and the difference between being a comedy magician and being a funny magician. There's some really good little nuggets of wisdom in this episode. As a matter of fact, Justin did a different podcast uh, a few years ago that really influenced me, and so I was really happy to, to have him on this one. Funny little thing about this episode is that as, <laughs> as we were going, Justin kept taking things out of his pocket, so we started with an empty table, and by the end of the episode, there were mints and change and gum and keys and phones, and <laughs> it, was, uh, it was pretty funny. It was a lot of fun. I'm really thankful to Justin that he came and uh, gave some of his precious time to talk about magic. Follow us on all the social media channels, and you can email me at podcast at artofmagic.com. Uh, those social media channels are facebook.com slash magicalthinkingpodcast, facebook.com slash a sense of mystery, instagram.com slash a sense of mystery, instagram.com slash treasury of wonder, and a bunch of other stuff too. <laughs> we have a bunch of social media channels. Just, just a lot of places for you to catch us. A lot of places for you to just get into it. Anyway, that's about it, I think. Enjoy the episode. Take care. Oh, yeah. Mulaney, was he fantastic as well, I'm sure? Yeah, it was uh, insane. Much much more handsome in person. Uh, Melanius? <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. And then uh, a couple of comics I didn't know, but found hilarious mm-hmm. as well. Jermaine Fowler? Mm-hmm. Was he on the show? Mm-hmm. No. Hmm. Um, yeah, I can't remember the names. They were hmm. great, though. It was a fun time. Yeah. I like that venue. Yeah, it's a you nice never room. No, I've oh. never been. Yeah. I like it a lot. I also like the, the small room with the bar in it. Mm-hmm. That's a nice room. That's where Sarah Silverman shot her last special. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like, 60 seats. It's it was pretty room. cool. Yeah. Um, Derek Hughes used to do a monthly show there years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the little room. It's cool. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'll just go. Like this? We're just chat. Yeah. We're recording. Is this it? Yeah, yeah. We are? Yeah. Even though it's under a thing? Yeah, see, the reason it's under a bag... Is to make you not aware? Is to make people forget about it. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> I thought you were going to unveil the bag. Unveil yeah. the mic. I was like, it's a fancy <laughs> mic. Okay. All right, we'll keep it covered here. You know, I mean, we could take it off. No, if you feel okay. you'll perform better. No, it's almost like a, um, it's like a windsock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, a, a, a spit, what do they call it? A pop filter. Whatever. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the intent of it, is a pop filter, but we're never actually close enough to it. For this bag came with a mic? No, this this is a bag that we use to package Dan and Dave. This is the new Dan and Dave egg bag? Yeah, this is their the version. Yeah. It's, uh, it's transparent. Translucent. Well, that's uh, Molini egg bag. Yeah. Which is great, except for the fact that you can always see the egg in the pocket there. Yeah, we haven't quite worked around that that uh, that problem, but we've yeah. got a, the some of the best minds on it. Currently. Okay. Yeah. I love the idea that you have, uh, you know, you got uh, Garcia and Asia Wind working on <laughs> egg bag uh, technique. Yeah. 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 For Blaine's next special, he's really he's got a big chunk. He's doing the classics with the egg bag. Yeah. 
I would love to see. He's doing dubs. Blade do the classics. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? I dubs. watched a video of Channing Pollock this morning, and I was like, Holy He's doing Sponge shit. Bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna close with hippity hops. There it is. But it's gonna be kind of a racial equality theme. Oh wow! Yeah. He's gonna be like in a very urban area of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with a white bunny and a black bunny. Yeah. And then they make mulatto bunnies. Oh god. The, well, then he ends with the yellow and the red bunny, oh, which okay. is kind of a subtle. You know, it's kind of a, an Asian Native American mm-hmm. honorarium and also yeah. um, commentary against the uh, use of the Redskins in NFL titles. Yeah, he's tying it all together. I've really been impressed with how progressive Lane has been lately mm-hmm. in his material. It's called Real or Magic Shop. <laughs> it's just stuff that he bought from Tannins on his way to the shoot. <laughs> Color Monty, great work on Color Monty. He, he gets this dude, this group of guys in Harlem, they just run. 14 bucks! What? Oh my god. Fun. Finishing my yes. banana, I'm going to place it right on the table here. Great. <clears throat> Perfect. Okay. Okay. Let me airplane mode this. Cool beans. I got a text from the building that I've arrived. Yes, in case you didn't, you weren't aware. Hmm. And it took a picture of me. Yeah, you know what's funny? Okay, so... Did it send a picture of me here? Yes. You guys saw the picture of me? No. But... Apparently, it's in like an email database, and so every time I sign in, I do like a really funny Uh face or thing, because um, Coley, Dave's wife, had the idea to take all of those pictures and make like a book out of them. That's a great idea. Yeah. Because I, you know, coming over for a podcast, I didn't bother showering or anything, so it's a great photo. I wasn't going to mention anything, but... Mm -hmm. That's a cool tattoo. Leaning back. This one? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a, it's a jack of spades, which yes, is, it is always my favorite card. I don't know why. And, uh, it's kind of a vintage magic postery hand mm-hmm. holding it. Yeah. I got it uh, a few months after I moved to LA in 2002. So that would be 13, 13, 14 years ago. Were you living anywhere between St. Louis and LA? In here? Yeah. yeah. So I went to college in Boston. Okay. Emerson College. Okay. For four years. You've been to Boston? No. Um, so I was there from 98 to 2002 and then for the second semester of uh, senior year so for the last the last half a year you can live in LA and you can get an internship and get college credit for it and live to the Oakwood some bar uh, with Dan Levy and Eric Hutchinson was out here a bunch of my friends from, from college and we uh, you know decided that LA was the place so we stayed and then I moved into a house on Wilton just down the way from here mm-hmm. And lived there for a few months, and then in the valley, and then all over, and lived with different girlfriends, and acquired different dogs, and then got divorced from those dogs, and yeah, here Isn't we are. Isn't that a sad thing? 14 years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Broke up from a six-year relationship, and we got a cat in the last year of the relationship. Were you guys living in L.A.? No. Well, yes, but not this one. We're in Louisiana. Okay. okay. And then you came to L.A. after that? Uh, San Diego. But yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. And but that's always the hardest part, is leaving the Yeah, six years, that's a long one. Yeah. Leaving the cat. Well, it's all those little things that you use as justification to make try to make it work. Mm-hmm. All the stuff, the lease, the, the moving out, the animals, <clears throat> the trips we have booked in the future. Yep. Yeah. A lot of things. Yep. Got to take the lunch. Anyway, we don't have to do that. I know you already got in trouble for that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> refer to the other, other podcasts 
Um, okay, so let's start off in St. Louis, because I sort of got my magic start in St. Louis. Really? Yeah, I have family that's up there, and I met... Uh, what town? What part? I don't know. Creepcore, Chesterfield, Clayton, Webster. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but in St. Louis. Yeah, but in St. Louis, and I met uh, Randy Kalen at an IBM meeting up there. Yeah. Yeah. And he How old were you? Uh, like, 12... Did you live there for years? No, I didn't live there. No, you no, just no. Passed yeah, through? I, I just had family up there. So oh, wait, and were you doing magic before then? No, not really. Oh, how'd you find? How'd you end up at an IBM meeting? I was interested in uh, card tricks. I, I bought some book at a Barnes and Noble. I was doing the Earth Names color change, and I went up there and was showing my grandmother. She took me to so St. Louis Bread Company, which mm-hmm. is Panera everywhere mm-hmm. else. Uh, my grandmother and granddad have. This group of friends, and they go to Panera every every morning, St. Louis Bread Company every morning. Mm-hmm. And one of their friends is an amateur magician, so he was there, and I went with him and showed him color change. And he showed me some magic and uh, challenged me to learn new things and get better. So the next time I came up, I wanted to see him. I went to an IBM meeting, saw him, did some tricks for him. Who was this? What was his name? I can't remember his name. Okay. But Randy showed me Mnemonica stuff. Wow. this meeting it yeah. totally blew my mind and I was like holy shit yeah and he was like let's go to Gibbles and I was like okay yeah <laughs> Dude, what year was this then? this was um, 2002 2003 okay. maybe yeah Randy was one of my most important first mentors he was running so I started taking classes at Gibbles mm-hmm. which was like a half magic shop half kind of adult novelty store right yes it was like bachelorette party yeah. penis hats and whatever with yeah, costumes and parent with you, yeah. <laughs> so Ray, I, uh, Gibbles had told me that uh, there was a Society of Young Magicians meeting at the library. Randy ran that and uh, took me under his wing. Yeah, yeah. He's awesome. He is awesome. Yeah, good times. Yeah. St. Louis has had, had like the SYM and had an SAM Assembly Eight, IBM Ring One. Mm-hmm. It's it kind of like a little random uh, me- mega mecca for yeah. magic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul Paul. Chris Kenner, yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Golden Hirsch was there. Golden Hirsch. There. Harry Monty. Harry Monty. Uh, Chris Raymond. Yeah. Yep. Don Lawton. Great good, guys. Yeah, good guys. <laughs> Lots of good old guys. I love Gibbles so much. That's the best place. Lois is still there. Yeah, day. I know. I was just back there uh, a couple months ago and took a picture with them. And They still have, I think, some products that have been on the shelf since I took classes there. You know, a very dusty Goshman Ding Dong yep. is there in a paper bag. Uh, the brick and mortar is so rare. And that's a great one because it does have adult themed party one. items. Yeah. <laughs> no, like when I took magic lessons there, Robert Cole was the magic teacher and you had to have a parent with you because if you were under 18. So you, uh, so I learned about magic and then I learned about things that are magical, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Very mystery important. and things that had always been a mystery to me. Yeah, it's very important at such a young age to have a good education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is true. And it was a good teacher. Magic's a good teacher. Let me take these mints out of my pocket here and place them down. I'm just <laughs> gradually... The listeners can't hear, but I'm just, just taking stuff out of my pockets. Like I'm going through TSA, but I'm trying to get as comfortable as possible. <laughs> now, some listener can who's got a trained ear could tell us exactly how much change I dumped out. Probably Greg Wilson. (laughs) This feels like that Weber routine where he just keeps emptying cell phones from his pocket. Yeah, I haven't seen that routine. Neither have I. I heard about it. (laughs) Is it a thing? I hoped you had seen it so you could tell me about it. Yeah. Apparently it does a... That's funny. 
you know. Cell phones, though? Yeah, well, cell phone, just random shit. He just, like, keeps putting, and then the table ends up full of stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do at security every day. Yeah. Every day? How often mm. do you fly? You travel all the time. I see, you know. You're yeah. In Chicago, you're in mm-hmm. this place, that place, all of it. At least once a week. Sometimes two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow morning, I have a 6 a.m. flight to Madison, Wisconsin. To do a club there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and come back Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're a professional. Yeah. I mean, I used to fly more, because now that I'm doing comedy clubs, I'm staying in the same place for three or four days. But it used to be doing colleges, and I would be in a, I would fly every day for four days. So mm-hmm. different college every day, and wake up at 6 a.m., take a flight, drive, get to the show, set up, do the show, try to then go to sleep and do the same thing the next day. Yeah. It was grueling, but fun, awesome. But that's why I have some gray hairs. Yeah, I think from those years of yeah, yeah, yeah. pushing it. I think that makes sense. Burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's an engineer and still in college, and he's like got half a gray head. Really? Yeah, because he's like he doesn't sleep. <laughs> and because being an engineer, I imagine it's quite demanding. Yes, that's true as well, but mostly because it is burning the candle at both ends. But you're a handsome guy, even though I, I think you've got like the good. Oh, you like it? Yeah, you've got the good gray. And then this gets gray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nice though. You look. I'm like 35 it. now. I guess that's you're allowed to do that. But I don't feel that. Yeah. I feel 25. You don't seem to, uh, 35. You seem younger. Yeah. Vibrant. Oh, thanks. Youthful. <laughs> I don't know what 35 is supposed to feel look like. But whenever I see anybody who says they're in their 30s, I always think they're they're grown up, and I'm not. Yeah. It's probably I think magic that keeps you young because I don't have like a collection of khaki pants and button-up shirts that I have to wear to a real job. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you're doing comedy clubs. Doing comedy clubs. And which is the least real job? Yeah, you know, of magic, of of being a magician. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I do corporate, so where I, you know, have to clean it up sometimes, but uh, but still, I mean, we're we're our work day is working on tricks. It's, yeah, yeah. It's it's ridiculous that we get paid for this. It's crazy. It's pretty absurd. I saw your show at the castle with Brett. Yes, it, it was, was a fun time. It was so good. You Thanks, guys man. were awesome. Killed it. What did you had you seen? That, had you seen me perform before? No. That was the first time? That was the first time, yeah. I'd seen clips and, you know, stuff like that. Had we met before, though, at MagicCon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then we had uh, we had lunch at Magic Live, too. Yes. Yeah. But you didn't see the show at Magic Live? No. Okay. I was a dealer. I didn't get to go into anything. Oh, that's right. So, that's right. You were at the D&D booth. Yep. The Dungeons and Dragons booth. Yes. Yeah. With everyone that had a huge neck beard. They all just congregated there. Neck beards? Yes. You mean that they're just... Hairy and unhygienic folks. Yeah, they're Dungeons and Dragons. Players. Oh yes, <laughs> you were taking my bit. For I was yes, Andy. yes. Thank you. Yes, Andy. Yes. Thank you. Um, oh, I totally blanked out. Uh, Magic Castle, Brett. Yeah, that was a great show. Tyler I show. had a fun time. What is it that you? Okay, so are you a magician first mm-hmm. or a comedian first? Magician first. Magician first. I mean, well, yeah, definitely a magician first, just because magic. I mean, I think maybe what attracted me to magic at the beginning was the fact that I loved comedy and wanted to be funny and liked funny people, you know, like Seinfeld and Johnny Carson and Jay Leno and Steve Martin, like, and magic seemed like a um, means to be funny, to be, make people happy, to kind of be the center of attention, which I think any awkward teen like us loves. And... um, you know, I don't think I knew how to just be funny doing stand-up as a as a kid. Like, what are you gonna, you know, what are we gonna talk about? Do jokes about homework or something? You know, or you're this gonna... horse juice is too much, Paul. Exactly. Yeah. 
So magic uh, was a ch- is it was just kind of a way in. And, but I did serious magic for a while. Like I did a dove act, I did a manip act, I competed in uh, magic competitions and stuff. But I was also at the same time like, you know, doing a kid's birthday party show. I was like, like you know, love the entrepreneurial aspect of it and, mm-hmm. and um, getting the laughs and stuff. <clears throat> but then also loved Lance Burton and Greg Fruin and Jason Byrne. And I just loved that style of act. And the, I think that was what um, tapped me into being original in magic. Which was, uh, you know, first I would do this kind of very classic Lance Burton Dove act, and then I saw guys like Fruin and Byrne, and I was like, oh man, you can do anything. Like, seriously. And that's when I realized that as opposed to starting with what you know how to do and figuring out what to do with it, you could just figure out what you want to do and then work backwards, and there's always a way to figure out how to do it. And, um, which, uh, which is a good, a good lesson, you know. But to answer your question, now I feel. I still feel like I'm a magician first who, mm. who hopefully is just funnier than I used to be. Do you yeah. think people see you as a magician first? Um, Within the magic community and without the magic community? Um, I think people who at least know my work or know me would see me as a magician first. People who maybe now see me for the first time who are not in the magic community uh, might think that I'm a comedian who happens to do magic, which I, I, I'll take that. Yeah. I'm flattered by that. Um, I don't know. It could go either way. I mean, I could, you know, I still do close-up. I could do a strolling gig. I I think people book me for being a magician who is a comedy magician. I don't know. You know, I do the comedy clubs and stuff, but I feel like it's always... You know, I I I still feel like a variety act. I don't feel like a straight-up comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not implying that you're not a magician. (laughs) That's not at all what I'm trying to say. I just am curious about what you, what you uh, are communicating to the audience, and what you feel, what you think that they are taking away from your show. Um, I mean, I like the idea of maybe they don't, maybe uh, if they think I'm a comedian who's kind of using magic here and there to prove the point or push the idea forward. I feel like that might disarm them when some really strong magic happens because yeah. it's like, well, like, wait, wait, yeah, yeah, he's not just messing around, you know, like that was legit. Yeah. That's that's fun. I like playing with that. I feel like Matt King, you know, guys like that. He's still a magician first too. Oh yeah, happens absolutely. To be really, really funny. Yeah. Um, who else? You know, amazing Jonathan. What would you consider him? That's a great question. He's definitely a magician. But he's also absolutely a comedian, and mm-hmm. I don't know how to separate the two. Right, because it's like his his bit is that he's a bad magician. Yeah. But really, we look at that and we're like, oh, he's a brilliant comedian who yeah. uses the character of being a magician yeah. to get the comedy. But uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to not give people a clear label yeah, yeah. on you. Yeah. yeah, and I like that. I mean, I, I think it's super interesting, and mm-hmm. I think it's a good draw for... People who don't know how to label you. They're mm-hmm. interested in seeing what happens and yeah. what you do. You named two Tonight Show hosts, mm-hmm. Carson and Leno. Yeah. Is that something you want to do? I mean, I'd love to do that. That's that's a hard gig to get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to wait for someone to die. Yeah. <laughs> Fallon, Basically. Fallon looks pretty spry. Well. Unless he has a couple could more get accidents. Lucky, a couple more, he takes a couple more spills. <laughs> Seriously, that guy is never not injured. Yeah, I know. Um, it, that's Tonight Show seems like just the best job like for me I have 
a little bit of a short attention span and that I, I don't want to, like I'm always changing my show, putting new stuff in. If, if uh, a bit's been in too long, if I get bored with it, I want to like change it up. So I, I like the idea of doing something new all the time. I like interviewing people. I like um, doing, you know, bits. I like the idea of working on new bits each night. So it seems like a great, a great gig. How often do you switch up your material? Um, well, there are certain things that are like staples in the show that, uh, that will stay there for a year or two or three or four. And then <clears throat> there are like placeholders where I can put new things in. So right now I've got a couple things that are like three new bits that are maybe a month or two old mm-hmm. that if they get to the point where they're uh, strong enough to stand on their own, then I can take an old bit out, you know? Yeah. But if I'm going back to a city I've recently been in, like I try to make a point to at least have a third of the show new. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, what, there was a comedian that talked about people coming out to see the greatest hits, and if you just do the greatest hits, they're going to go, oh, I've seen him the mm-hmm. next time you come back. Yeah, I think Patton Oswalt talks about that. Uh, yeah, that is Patton Oswalt. Where <laughs> he's got an algorithm, a math, a little math equation that I don't know off the top of my head, but it's... It's like you either go you go back uh, eighteen months later or eighty percent new or something like that. Like because yeah, if, if people come to see you again and they see a lot of the same stuff, they'll enjoy it, but they're not going to buy another ticket. Yeah, because you've conditioned them to think that all right, we've seen that once, we've seen it again, we're good. But uh, you know, like Gaffigan, I think we'll do his all new hour each year, and then for the encore, mm-hmm. do the greatest hits. You know, do hot pocket, do this or that. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty cool, um, because they want to see it. I mean, of you go to see a band. You, I, sh- I want to hear some of the new stuff, but I want to hear a lot of the old stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's different, I think, for a musician that you love, to you know just want to hear the songs that you know versus Magic. If you've seen them, you know, unless you brought people and you're like, oh, I can't wait for you to see this bit. This is great. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of fun to share something, watch somebody react to something that you love. Yeah. But uh, yeah, comedy and magic. You wanna, you wanna feel new feels. Yeah, see the new stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You're such an eclectic performer in the way. Like, okay, one of my favorite things I've ever seen mm-hmm. on social media, and I have a feeling you got drunk when you did this. Was you like going through Twitter, screen capping tweets and posting them on Instagram? Mm-hmm. People like roasting you. Oh yeah. About cupcake wars. Cupcake war mean tweets. Yes. You enjoyed that? I really did. I've got a lot. I've got like a folder of 70 of them. Yeah. I mean those um, <laughs> that I've saved over the years just because some of them are I, I used to like it used to really bum me out. Really? Like when we were doing the show I remember like after the first season of Cupcake Wars uh, <clears throat> you know and I'm having to play like a role on the show that's not m- really me I'm kind of having to be more stern than I really am like yeah. and take this cupcake competition like seriously <laughs> so that I think comes off kind of like douchey to people because I kind of have to be the bad guy I have to send that, send everybody home yeah um, whereas I just want to you know make a joke and hug everybody yeah but uh, do you do an impression of Florian? Uh, yeah this is a stupid chocolate cupcake this is pitiful <laughs> I like this cupcake. I like this cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to give me this recipe, okay? Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean your drunk. No, so I, um, yeah, so on Twitter, obviously, you get this instant, you get this instant feedback. Sometimes people will tag me in them, but very often, like, I would have to, you know, I, first season comes out, like, I want to know, like, what do, what do people think? So you search, 
uh, Cupcake War host Justin on Twitter, and you'd see some some bad stuff. <laughs> and then it got a little better over time, and then it got, and then once the show got really popular, like there was just a ton of it. And there was like positive stuff, but there was just a lot of bad stuff, comically bad stuff that I that I um, loved. And then I think after a couple of years, when I was just a little more secure and understanding that that that's a good thing that you can't put anything out there without there being equal amounts of negative response to positive response then i just kind of started to take joy in it but uh but it's easy because because the because social media gives everybody a voice to say what they want to say and gripe about what they want to gripe about and then it's so easy for them to have a direct access to us and as these sensitive performers and Mm -hmm. and entertainers that we are it's easy for that stuff to to bum you out Sure. So I enjoy sometimes having a snarky reply to those things or faving them. Just sometimes just to let people know. Because uh, sometimes they'll freak out. They'll be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't think you'd see that. I'm kidding. Which is not what I'm going for. I'm not like, you know, but, uh, but I think like pe- people need to know that their alleyway. words matter. People need to know that their words um, can hurt yeah. and, and will reach you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what some people want. But a lot of times people are just trying to be funny. And they don't think that you'd ever see it. We can we can pull up some of them later if you want some ones that I haven't. I would love shared. that. That yeah. would be the that would be mm-hmm. great. I used to do a bit in my show, like when I would do comedy clubs, where I talk about cupcake wars, because that's where a lot of people know me from. And I don't do that show anymore. I don't even. I mean, now I don't even mention it. It's just it was always such a small part of my life. It's like sure. I don't, you know, I've got some jokes I could do about it, but I'd rather not remind you of that. I'd rather. Have this be what you know me for well, now. I'm glad I brought it up. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I used to do a bit where I would like have audience members read those tweets out loud, mm-hmm. like you know, kind of a Kimmel mean tweets thing. Yeah. But people people would think they're funny, but I think they mostly were like, oh, oh no, and then after the show they'd be like, we loved you on the show, and I was like, oh, I think they're, I think they're interpreting this as a cry for help as yeah. opposed to just trying to be funny. This is too real. It's too real. Yeah, so I left it out. But I still, I still curate them. I have some good ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I have awesome. like a... You should pick one for your epitaph. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite one is somebody said, uh, the Cupcake Wars host looks like someone punched him in the dick and then recorded him hosting a show. Which I can see that. Like, I get it. Because I have to kind of be very... You know, sometimes the posture that they hold for a long time looks uh, recently dick-punched. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's a good one. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Just a lot of rep- different ways of calling me a tool. Yeah. Lots of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And lots of uh, gay suspicions. Lots of True. pocket gay. I had to well, figure out what a pocket you know, gay is. I don't... What, yeah, what is that? I don't know what that uh, is. A, a, a tiny little gay friend you can put in your pocket. That's what people think I am sometimes. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. My huh. wife loves that one. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's like uh, in that episode of Seinfeld where he's, you know, thin and clean and handsome mm-hmm. and apparently single. And people not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything right. wrong with that. Right, right. But it's, you know, I don't know. I, I, there couldn't have been like a ton of that. What, the mean ones? No, well, yeah, just like the, the... There were equal good and bad, but yeah. I, the good ones are, you know, I'm not going to save those and, and like fool myself. Yeah, yeah true. funny. Yeah. But the... The bad ones are great. And I think it just shows you that, like, it doesn't... Like, I played such a small part on that show, maybe, you know, just a few minutes out of every hour, uh, that people would latch on to something like that to to gripe about. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a great show. They couldn't complain about it. It was an okay else. show, yeah. I mean, people like, people like it. It's, yeah. uh, it's it, it does its job. Yeah. It, it makes you emotionally invested in that you agree or disagree, and so much so that you want to tweet about it. Yeah. Which is good. You don't want people to kind of just be ambiguous about what you're doing. Whenever I do something and there's nothing about it on social media, I feel like I screwed up. That's the worst. The yeah. Apathy is the worst. Yeah. Where'd you go after that? What is that? I, because, like... After what? Well, when you were, like, back when you were just incredible, mm-hmm. your graphics were always really good. Your PR was always, like, very professionally done. Was that you? Was that somebody in your family? Did you have friends that were um, really good at it? Because... I had a buddy. John Morrow was his name. And he was a graphic design buddy that I knew through some mutual friends. And he was just so good. And... Um, for years, you know, your website and your posters and your flyers is kind of is your brand, you yeah. know. Uh, <clears throat> so I put a lot of time into just always, you know, having kind of fresh stuff that looked cool and looked different than what people thought a magician stuff would look like. Yeah. And uh, became an important part of, you know, my, my identity and just kind of branding to be unique. Sure. Yeah. Is there, is there a goal? Like, a, you know, like is there like a... Because there's, there's been like a pretty pretty steady climb mm-hmm. of the Just a Woman brand from little kid in St. Louis who broke his arm to, mm-hmm. you know, something that, which is, that's a great story. And we don't have to take because it it's everywhere, but that's a great story. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. It was a good story. Um, but, it's only a good story because it, it worked out. Yeah, you know, that's magician, true. Yeah. But could've, it could be, yeah, it could have been, been malpractice. Uh, stuff right there yeah but it, you know is there is there a goal because you, there there has been a very clear and definite rise and i mean there's always and... little goals along the way like you know like for a while i was like man my dream is to be a guest on the tonight show with, with jay Leno. it'll be awesome yeah and then or like oh gosh i want to you know do ellen or i want to like you know tour i want to have put new bits in my show, you know, and then you achieve those things, but it's hard to like take too much time to stop and really revel in that because you're immediately like, okay, what's what's next? next? Yeah, what's next? If I can do that, what else can I do? You know? Um, So there's all these little goals. I mean, the big goal I think is just to feel creatively fulfilled and have a body of work that you're proud of because it's never going to be just like, there's never that one thing that once you do that, you're happy or once you do that, you feel successful or or that you can like stop, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just look at Copperfield. Copperfield's done everything. Yeah. And he's still going, which means that uh, you need to like enjoy the the process and the journey, you know. So for me to to kind of always be evolving as a performer, always be doing new material that feels true and authentic to like who I am now, you know, and mm-hmm. what I what I like. Figure out how to do magic about something that means something to people is fun. Um, uh, like, I mean, a goal would be to have a, a some sort of magic comedy series on TV, mm-hmm. you know? One, because I feel like I've got a lot of stuff to get out of, a lot of things that I want to say. Um, like what? Well, I, like, so I did a pilot for Comedy Central last year that became a half-hour special, Sleight of Mouth, uh, which basically means it's a pilot that wasn't picked up, but they were, they liked it, too, so we reformatted it to a special. Now we're going to do a new pilot in March. Totally different show, totally different format. And I like the idea of doing something on Comedy Central because I feel like I don't have to um, family-friendly it up mm-hmm. or make it kind of squeaky, networky. Uh, you know, shows like Fool Us and Carbonaro Effect and all these shows that have a wide appeal are great. 
Um, but I wanted to do a show where I could like use magic and comedy to like tackle a theme or to talk about you know racism in America and use magic as the way in because then it's um, something you can, you can kind of get away with saying uh, you can get away with talking about an edgy subject when there's magic involved just because yeah. it kind of you know you're, you kind of already feel like a, you know a kid again like you're yeah. appreciating the wonder about it and then when you're using it to tackle uh, more heady topics it's kind of like whoa I didn't expect yeah, yeah. Uh, that to be what that's about again it gets you thinking yeah. And, and when you're laughing as well, I mean, like Bill Hicks and Carlin and yes, those guys. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like I've got a lot of. I don't feel fully like creatively expressed. You know, I want to. I want to do something that's never been done before. I don't want to just do magic for magic's sake. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like I, I feel like I would be selling myself short if I kind of just did something that was just kind of broad and cookie cutter like I kind of want to do something a little more yeah unique but then just having having something on TV that people know you from or know you for attracts the right people to come see you yeah. you know so if all people know me for if people know me for like the Comedy Central thing or uh, at midnight or uh, late late night talk show stuff yeah. I like that you know yeah, but yeah, there yeah. aren't a lot of people who know me from that more people know me from Cupcake Wars and they sure. think of me as the the, the you know the, 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 the funny guy with the puns and stuff. Yeah. So sometimes those those are those people come to the show expecting that and are pleasantly surprised. But not a lot of people I think would want to come see that guy. That's all they know him from. So the yeah. more people who know you for what you really do best, the better your tours will be. The bigger audiences you can play for. The more creatively fulfilled you'll feel. Yeah. Where does that creative confidence come from? That kind of, you know, I don't feel creatively expressed. I need mm -hmm. to put this out. This is something that drives me. And mm -hmm. what do you think that emanates from? Because I think a lot of people don't either, they may have it, but they don't know that's what it is, mm -hmm. or they don't have it. Yeah. You know? And I, I'm just curious. Well, I've only like felt this, this way. I've only felt uh, that whenever that confidence is for the past couple years, which means like I've been, you know, I've been doing magic since I was. A kid, but then like started, you know, doing magic that was, you know, comedy magic that was, you know, I felt my own unique brand since, you know, college. So then it's been, you know, like 16 years since then. So it's really just been a matter of time and doing a ton of shows. And also like being in the comedy, being in the comedy world where hacky stuff just won't cut it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, like there's this, uh, Stereotype that you know that comedians look down upon magicians or prop comics, you know, yeah. but I'm really proud of being a magician I don't want to like uh, s Sell out that just to be accepted in the comedy world. So sure. I want to work hard to do stuff that comedians who <clears throat> Respect authenticity and like originality and stuff that's well written. I want them to respect what I do so yeah. as opposed to surrounding myself with in the magic world where you can where I think different things are important than in the comedy world. Like in yes. the magic world, it's the, the trick and how you do the trick and uh, new methods and unique takes on the trick. But very often the presentation or the performance of it is sometimes overlooked so that it might be really great appeal to magicians and uh, but not be as, uh, you know, not have the broad appeal for people to appreciate it who don't necessarily, who wouldn't necessarily go to a magic show. Yeah. But yeah, so honestly, being in the comedy community has been important to just having that confidence to know that 
yeah, you have something to say, you know, you can, you can be funny, um, as opposed to working on the same act and doing the same act your whole life, yeah. be okay throwing stuff out, yeah. you know, be okay starting from scratch. If you were able to get that bit to where that, where it is in the end, you know, whatever that trick is to be a polished thing within a couple of years, you can do it again and it'd probably be better. Yeah. And <clears throat> it'll be written by the you now as opposed to the you five years ago. I think that's the know? biggest, there are a lot of similarities between magic and comedy, but I think that's the biggest difference is the constantly, okay, I got to do the new exactly. hour, I got to get the new material, I got to be the person I am now instead of the stuff I did with the old. Exactly. Time. Yeah. Exactly. Now, Mac, Mac King, he hones bits and polishes and polishes over the years yeah. and you can see that you yeah. know and they feel great they feel like just these fine-tuned works of art you know but like, he's also one of those rare performers that it feels new every time yes he makes ad-libs and aside that are rehearsed feel very impromptu yeah which is an art form yes and that's why people can feel like they can go see him again and really get that it's all if it's a different audience it's a different show mm-hmm. you know and he's had every situation happen to him, so he has a line for everything that feels like he just thought of it. Yeah. And it makes you feel like you're really watching something that's never happened before. That's exciting for yeah. an audience. But yeah, I mean, there's really no replacement for, for time and experience. There's guys like, you know, like, you know Kyle Eschen? Mm. He's a teenage magician. He's probably not a teacher, teenager anymore, but he had this act when he was a Magic Castle junior, just kind of this uh, um, just low-energy... Um, kind of uh, nerdy and you know but very intellectual okay I think I might know who you're talking about he would do classics of magic yeah and he was hilarious so he was like this it was mind blowing to see a young kid performer who couldn't have possibly had 15 years of experience because he was probably 15 have this act that was like had a point of view had a clearly defined persona Mm -hmm. that that you know was awesome yeah so the, occasionally there are those exceptions where you're like, how on earth did you figure this out so quick? Because yeah. for me, it's, t- it's taken forever. Um, you know, just, you know, when I was doing colleges for years, the, the show was very sexual innuendo-y and fun and kind of, you know, because uh, I was, you know, I'm 25, I was 25 or 26 and I looked like I was their age so I could like make those jokes and, yeah. you know, funny dick jokes and stuff and, uh, and that's good. That was good at the time, but now I don't think that would work for me anymore. Because I, I wouldn't be proud of myself doing those jokes. Sure, but at the time, that's what was funny to me. And you're just gray enough that it would be creepy. Yeah, just gray <laughs> enough. I mean, it's like when I when I started doing colleges, they were like, "Are you a student?" And then you know, came, then it was like, "Are you a are you a professor?" You know, and now it's like, "Are you a father?" Like, <laughs> is, your, is your child go here? And it's too creepy. Yeah. yeah. Where's your daughter? Is she out there? <laughs> Why do they assume it's a daughter? That's even creepier. Yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. So being in the uh, the comedy world, what mm-hmm. are who are okay? Who are some of your comedy influences, and then who are some of your favorite comedians now? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I'll do that same question with magicians later. Yeah, that's far less interesting. I'd say <laughs> early comedy influences like Steve Martin mm-hmm. loved. Leno Carson love love you know like Carson's bits with Karnak and I love the shtick comedy yeah. bits that was it was very similar to a magic trick but it was just it did instead of like a, a surprisingly trick just a well written joke you yeah. know and that justifies the whole the whole thing sis boom ba. yeah you know Steve Martin's Flydini mm-hmm. just awesome to take just a simple simple little magic method and draw it out into something so much more than that, you know. It was a great, that's a great lesson in 
using magic as a small cog in a bigger machine as opposed to the whole the whole thing. Sure. Um, Matt King was a great early comedy influence as well as a magic influence. But now I love, I mean, like, Bo Burnham. Great. He's a genius. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I've done a couple shows with him and just get to watch him do what he does. And you kind of, you feel like you're, you know, you feel like you're in the presence of just some next level thinker and then it also bums you out because you're like, how am I ever going to There's no way. write something like that? How do yeah. you, why can't my brain work that, that way? Yeah. <clears throat> Dennis Miller I used to love. Not so much anymore. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's how everybody right. is. But uh, like Dimitri Martin, uh-huh. huge fan. Like I love these guys who are comics who are eclectic and that it's not just stand up. You know, there occasionally is a little prop or mm-hmm. maybe there's, you know, music and songs. Mm-hmm. I love variety. So, like, the idea of a comic having a show that really feels like a true variety show is, is uh, awesome to me. Do you think that's because you have a short attention span? Maybe. And maybe just because I love, um, I mean, that's the kind of show that I like to put on, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. whenever I would, you know, I would do monthly shows at Largo or, or at Meltdown or something, like, and I loved having on... You know, Scott Neary, my pancake juggler buddy, or Loudermilk, Swallowing Swords. Like, I love having a show where I was able to showcase all this stuff that people never get a chance to see. Yeah. That we see a lot because we're magicians, so we're in this variety arts world. Yeah. Um, but people don't get to see that. Yeah. So it makes for a fun show. Absolutely. Yeah. And probably short attention span, for sure. <laughs> well, I just wondered. You brought it up first. <laughs> yeah. And then magic influences. I mean, obviously, at first, it's you know, Harry Blackstone Jr. and Copperfield and Lance Burton. Sure. And then um, when I was old, and, I mean, I always loved Penn and Teller, but then as I got older, I to, to really start to see the next level stuff that they're doing, you know, when you're old enough to appreciate it. You know, when I watched them do their flag burning bit for the first time in Boston, I was in college and they were doing a theater there and it just blew my mind. It was so simple and beautiful and poetic. And that's an example of like, when they put the bit in, it's almost pretty much done. Yep. Pretty polished. You yep. know, they might tweak a couple things that are invisible to us, but it's like, the, for them, it opened my mind uh, to seeing what, like, how magic can, and comedy can exist as a piece of theater yeah. as opposed to performance, you know? Just beautiful theater. So, uh, they, they take it there for me. David Williamson as a comedy and magic influence has always been huge. Yeah. Dana Daniels, love... Um, I mean, and I love great men, you know, I love Ossie watching him perform mm-hmm. so tight and so smart, you know, you know that there's, there's gears turning in his head that I know that I don't have, you know, yeah. that are fun to watch. He's also a funny performer. Yeah. Which, you know, looking at his tricks, you might not guess that, but he's a very entertaining and like jokey. Very funny. Of, yeah. Yeah. Which is nice because that, ba- that balances out like... Something that could come off as kind of Rain Manny, mm-hmm. but he makes it. Uh, he adds that little bit of self-deprecatingness, so you're you're like, wow, he's he's a real person too. Yeah, which which is fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. A lot of his jokes are like a step ahead. Maybe not jokes. Maybe maybe bits is a better way to say that, or a step ahead, mm-hmm. a step ahead. Or he he does a bit where he's like. This part is so good, I like to come out into the audience and watch it myself. And so right. he comes out and he, he like walks up to a guy and he's like, Sir, would you please stand up? And it's like he's going to do something for him and then he's like, stand here. And then he just sits down in his chair. And it's like, you know what he's going to do, but it feels he like... He wants to watch himself, time. he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. funny. Yeah. Just, 
Um, Derek Hughes also is, a, yep. um, you know, he's kind of been a friend and when I first moved to LA kind of became a mentor because he also was in the comedy scene equally in the magic scene. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, always pushed me to, to ditch anything that was hacky or others were doing yeah. for the sake of having an original point of view. I remember the first time I saw Derek, it was the hardest I'd ever laughed. Yeah. It was am- Where was it? Amazing. It was a, the second Magic Con. My first Magic Convention. Mm-hmm. He was doing his Professor's Nightmare routine. So good. I will now... Yeah, walk into the audience. Uh, receive or receive fellatio. Yeah. And that, I just fucking... I lost yeah. my mind. Yeah. was so funny. And then I saw Matt King perform at the same convention. Again. Yeah. Hardest time I've ever laughed. That was like... Have you seen Williamson live? Yes. Again. I just such a he'll do anything for the life it's amazing it's yeah incredible. yeah incredible I was talking to uh, Gary Plants at Magifest mm-hmm. and he said um, you know he was like I, I had my wife with me and we were at this convention and David was there and my wife's sister-in-law and her friend were coming to the hotel to you know see my wife and they were up at the front desk and I said to David hey uh, go do something for those ladies mm-hmm. and so David walks up to him and he puts on his most suave, you know, characteristics and leans against the <laughs> the um, lobby counter. He's talking to him, you know, just really laying it on, and his pants just fall down in the middle of it. Like that kind of willingness to just, you know, go full on to get mm-hmm. there. It's just so amazing and so uh, I don't know. It's like energizing. To yeah, see that was important commit. for me as a young magician to see him come to a convention and be so funny. To see somebody do great magic and be super hilarious. Yeah. So, so funny. Because um, he's kind of like, you know, has elements of Jim Carrey and Steve Martin in him. Yeah. Just absurdism, mm-hmm. you know, where you know the trick he's doing is is awesome and brilliant and tight, but it's almost like the trick is a throwaway. Yeah. It's just means to get up there and have shtick to do. Goof around. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, I, I'd like to, I've, I've, I've got coffee with him once. I've always wanted to like be closer friends with him because he's so, he's so good. He's so good. It's mm-hmm. terribly intimidating. Not to mention that he's a giant. Yeah. I mean, the magic world, man, is, is this rare world where you can get pretty, like, you know, these people that you idolize, it doesn't take long and it's so, such a small world where you can quickly meet and hang with these guys and yeah. find yourself at a Denny's after a magic convention with your hero. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And um, sometimes there can be, you know, instances where it's a bummer, like where, you sure. know, your, your, your hero's a dick or something. <laughs> so I feel like we all need to, because, because and we, we all have that story too. We're all so accessible. Everyone's so accessible in the magic community. And, you know, if there's somebody you want to, if you want to walk up to, Anybody, if you want to walk up to Matt King after seeing him for the first time and have a chat with him, you can, you know? Yeah. And it's great when guys like Mac are super sweet and just yeah. the best. Yeah. I don't know any other world where uh, a beginner who just gets into it can meet the master, you know, and, yeah. and hang. I mean, the Magic Castle, this happens every night. It's wild. Yeah. And we have, I mean, we, you know, there aren't many performance professions, as far as I'm aware, that have conventions like Magic Conventions where it's pretty much... Come meet mm-hmm. me. Uh, who's who? Yeah. I mean, Magic Live this past year, because uh, I don't do many Magic conventions, but that was one. I mean, everybody who was anybody that was there just to attend. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah. 
It's inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's energizing. I remember, you know, every it, it feels like, you know, there's just enough magic conventions that right as you start to get burned out, you go to one and you go, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember why I do this. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's about the hang. I mean, really, uh, the best part comes in the hang. Because um, it is an awesome community, man. It is... I mean, say what you will about the drama that pops up here and there. Like, it is incredible. The the cool people that are all doing the same thing and that, that everyone's out kind of making their living in, this, in their fun way and that we can kind of come and convene and that it's not as backstabbing, I don't think, as the comedy world. Um, you know, it's like, it, it's just a great, it's a great hang. Good people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was thinking, you said backstabbing and Joan Rivers and Johnny Carson jumped into my head. Yeah. Um, by the way, that documentary, that American Masters thing that Kevin Spacey narrates, changed for Carson. Life. Yeah, yeah, so good, so good, so good. I loved um, at the end that you're watching him do uh, split fans. Yeah, while yeah, rehearsing this monologue for his final Tonight Show. Yeah, and you realized that like magic was his rosebud. Rose yeah, <laughs> the thing that kind of kept him in touch with his true passions the whole time. I immediately bought an old copy of Hoffman's book. I oh, yeah. like went on eBay. I watched that and I was like, I gotta have that edition of that Which book. book. Which book? Um, Hoffman's uh, Modern Magic. Uh, is that what he was? Re- is that what Carson was flipping yeah. through? Yeah, that's the book that he got when he was. Wow, a kid. wow, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. I got obsessed with Carson, which yeah. rightfully so, reasonably so. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it was always uh, cool to hear these stories about people who were great successes in comedy who got their start in magic because it's kind of like was this nice little uh, foot in the door uh, Arsenio and you know Steve Martin and, and Carson um, and Carson of course being a great champion for magic over yeah. the years having so much magic on his show I love that Lance Burton story I don't know this one. so Lance was doing um it, he was doing I think he was like performing at the body shop the strip club on Sunset he was like the non non-naked person doing his doves <laughs> which you'd think would be the hardest gig yeah. you know because you know girl just did her thing there was dollar bills everywhere she's picking it up and this gentleman Lance Burton comes out and was doing kid in a tux and making doves appear and I think by the end people were yelling for him to come back when you know his his set, his set was done so wow. he would convert even the toughest crowds so he uh, I think like a and then he was doing an It's Magic show out, out here in the LA area and the Carson Booker came and was like we'd like for you to do the show and his act was like 12 minutes you know yeah. it's a 12 minute act so I think he came to do a rehearsal that afternoon at the Tonight Show and Lance actually told me the story that he was he um, ran his set because they were going to try to figure out what's the 6 minutes we need to cut this from 12 down to 6 yeah or something like that and he did the whole 12. He hears this lone standing ovation in the audience. And turns out that was Johnny. And Johnny whispered to his producer, let the kid do the whole 12. Jesus. So they had him do the full 12 minutes, which took up the whole act in television. But Carson was like, I can't, I can't, can't tell him to cut this, anything. Yeah. You can't cut it. You can't. It's perfect. Yeah. Which is cool. Which would be unheard of today. Yeah. For the host of a show to like take a stand like that to insist that they break a mold of a sh- you know break the format so heavily yeah. it's for a cool. magician for a magician yeah yeah amazing that is yeah like I that can't act even is imagine perfection that. that act is so good yeah yeah how old was Lance at this time mm, he might have been like 19 or 20 uh, I don't know the exact timeline <laughs> but I think 
he was about that age. Uh, then like one fizz, won all the national championships and one FISM, I think at like 21 or 22. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, maybe that was the Tropicana show after that. I don't know, but, uh, but he was young, young kid. Do you think there's going to be a time? I don't know. There's a lot more magic on TV now. Do you think there's going to be, uh, a host of a show that's going to allow something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I could see because it feels like things are moving towards you know it, the pendulum swings back and forth. It feels like stuff is going more long form. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of inching back. Towards. You think so? I think so. Like you know, AGT would always be like these ninety second spots, and now they're you know now they're longer. You know, you're right, the longer form, three four minutes sometimes. You know, what you watch Penn and Teller fool us. And it's a whole act of the TV, a whole act of television watching that one performer do their set, sometimes six, seven minutes, you know, which is rare. So it's amazing. Um, It could be. I mean, there's hosts like, you know, like Neil Patrick Harris or something like that. I know his best time ever show didn't have that kind of flexibility because it was live. Yeah. But, you know, if he hosted a late night talk show or a variety show, I'm sure he would he would be a great champion for magic. Sure. Yeah. You were talking about Penn and Teller on stage in Boston doing the flag burning. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like, you know, because they're very... They have a point of view and they have a message. And mm-hmm. that sounds like, you know, sort of what you were talking about when you want to do magic working it's on this about new something. show. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, for them, seeing that was was like, wow, like social commentary magic. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, the fact that they were able to do a bit about something that left you, uh, you know, amazed and in awe and thinking was was great. Because magic has the potential to be an incredible visual metaphor, you know, and yeah. the bit they do with the Bill of Rights and then the, the just the clear plastic cellophane and then, yeah. yeah, it's so, it's so good. Like, they're, all their bits um, are so well thought out to be about, about things and uh, for me, I think that's what, that's what like makes me feel really rewarded when I do it, when I do something that I feel like is, you know, means something, even if it's something silly, you know, like even doing magic for high people at a pot store, but have the bit be that everyone sees how it's done, but they don't. I mean, like, I feel like that extra layer kind of is, you know, it's about medical marijuana. It's about, does marijuana make people stupid? You know, like, uh, which it doesn't. I mean, obviously, I could do paper balls over a head to anybody, anybody yeah. you know. But but giving it context um, just adds an extra layer. And uh, if you don't do that, sometimes it's just a missed opportunity, yeah. I think, yeah. Is, that, is your show going to be... You know, and obviously I'm sure you can't talk about everything, but is is that kind of the, not man on the street, but are you going to be outperforming or is it going to be stuff It's going to be like, uh, it's going to kind of be um, out in the world, kind of like, uh, uh, okay, for example, so Trump, want, Trump wants to build a wall between the U.S. and Mexico, so do a bit where we go to... Uh, Tijuana, and we do the, the classic walking through the wall, but with Mexicans coming <laughs> sure. from one side to the other, yeah, you yeah. know, so, which is silly and ridiculous, but it's a way to it's a metaphor. talk about the immigration problem yeah. and do something that feels wrong. Like it kind of, you know, like, especially if we, you know, we build this wall and it, it would be, it would be a way to do a classical trick in, in, in a way that, uh, that means something. Yeah. And, uh, so stuff like that. I, I'd, I'd like to, to the idea of the show would be using magic to instead of help people escape their problems to literally solve their problems yeah racism police brutality income inequality women's rights yeah this is a lofty goal yeah 
But in a slight, yeah, in a idealistic, yeah. tongue-in-cheek way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all about the conversation. Yeah. It's about bringing it out. That's what, so. That's what the best comics do. That's like why the Daily Show is so just groundbreaking, the fact that they can have such incredible writing about such relevant things every night. Yeah. If they can write a new 30 minutes every night about what's happening in the world and have it be brilliant, there's no reason why we can't be making our material better and stronger and more relevant all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we are, you know, our own writer, director, performer, like we are all little one-man one operations, yeah. you know? Um, unless you're working on a project where you can hire people on, which rarely happens. So, you know, we do have to work really hard ourselves, but you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And is that something that you... Do you see... I mean, I know you see a lot of it in comedy because that's kind of the culture of it mm -hmm. is do stuff that matters, you know, even mm -hmm. if it's, even if it's totally banal, it's still honest and true to yourself. And that's what, you know, people, mm -hmm. that's what resonates with people. Do you, do you find that there are magicians doing that enough magicians doing that? Do you think there ought to be more? Um, I mean, if it's not your thing, then if you don't feel like you have something true to say, that's like. Uh, about the world that's fine like you watch like Ed Alonzo is one of my favorites makes me laugh so hard and it's just really clearly defined character super f great magic and um, you know produced and, and, and theatrical enough that just really does something you haven't seen before like uh, so and, and like Matt King for example it's just good clean fun you know yeah well-written classics dressed up in new ways his, his guinea pig the, all the phases of that routine are so perfectly laid out and, you know it's a chop cup at the guinea pig production it's like all these but all done with ordinary objects like that that's beautiful arthur trace i don't know if you've ever seen him perform his magic is just well thought out insightful um brilliant i mean derek and helder's show was some next level shit uh, and their, their show wasn't necessarily, it wasn't about politics or anything like that, yeah. but it was just about, it was about something. Yeah. Um, it was about mystery and wonder and, uh, and uh, pushing the boundaries of what you think we can get you to feel um, with just a deck of cards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, getting the same reaction and creating buzz and emotional tension that... Copperfield does with a whole big stage show you, you can do it with a deck of cards it's pretty cool you know by giving yourself I think specificity or restrictions you can sometimes do more you oh know, absolutely like, yeah like um, as opposed to just like what trick oh gosh what trick should I do like if you like it'd be fun I think to have a buddy who you can give yourself these little challenges okay you're gonna do a trick about uh, about you know Iran and this this uh, <laughs> nuclear deal yeah. But you have to do it. It's an egg bag. So you have to do an egg bag about you have a week. And then when you're given these parameters, I think that you figure it out. And yeah. then you create something amazing. Yeah. But if you, if it's just do anything with anything about anything, it's over. It's too overwhelming. Absolutely. So I like specificity. How do you set those? How do you make the specificity happen in your own material? Well, let's see. Like when we did... Um, when I, I did this web series on the Nerdist channel called Magic Meltdown, and we did like 16 episodes, and I wrote it with uh, Vinny DePonto, Jeff Kaler, and Derek Hughes, and we sat down for a couple weeks, and, and we're like, you know, kind of had writer's room hours, 
And one, we decided, what is the show? What's it about? And we decided to do a thematic show. So we do, so, so you could use magic to express a point of view about different themes, food, kids, religion, love, dating, uh, uh, sex, lust, um, all these things. So, so now if you're, if you're like, okay, well, let's do a food episode. And then you're immediately focused and you're like, wow, okay, we could do, um, you know, uh, Cardin lemon or whatever. Like there's so much food magic yeah. and that gives you kind of a narrow place to go. If you're doing money, if you're doing an episode about money, then, you know, you could, there's the idea of like, how do I do uh, ones to hundreds and make it a social commentary about income inequality, you know? Yeah. So giving yourself, uh, giving yourself blinders and, and focus for me, I think we were able to come up with some great stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And then those bits, those bits then can go into your act, yeah. you know, and they don't have to be, but, but they were created out of, you know, uh, intense magnification and that worked, that works well for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just seems, I mean, maybe not for you, but it seems difficult to construct, you know, bits, tricks, routines with the hectic schedule that you have and mm-hmm. the limitations you put on yourself in that way. Yeah. yeah I mean, it just has to happen. You just have to do it. But it's it, just... Yeah, it's true. I mean, you have to... Um, you have to use, like, you know, when I'm in Madison, Wisconsin this weekend, I've got to use that as the gym, you know? Like, you're using these comedy clubs on the road. Is I don't want to just show up and do the show that's safe. Like, I want to force myself to put something new in the show and work out some stuff because it's a great opportunity to have... Uh, six audiences yeah. who maybe have never seen any of this stuff before and because I'm doing an hour or 70 minutes I can pop a couple new things in there and if they flop I know what's coming next is going to work and um, you know putting new stuff in the show is very nerve wracking but you, you know you got to do it so so for me just using those opportunities to, to try out the new stuff is great when you come back to LA and you work a week at the Magic Castle you don't necessarily want to use that as a chance to try out new stuff you want to yeah. do Everything you want to do, hit. You, you know, do, you want to hit yeah, every time. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so that's important. But yeah, it is. Man, every day I'm like, I didn't do everything I wanted to do today. Uh, there's, you know, there's just not enough hours in the day, and that's why I think you need to just, just, uh, you know. How is you? How is your soul not crushed by going to bed like that every day? Yeah, I'm well. That's uh, like you, if you put expectations on your day, you're gonna be disappointed. Of so course. you need to like just. If there's a couple things you got to tick off at the beginning, great. But other than that, like, do what makes you feel, you know, creatively fulfilled. Push all your. I mean, you got to have a bunch of irons in the fire, I think, and you got to be constantly pushing those forward. Um, you know, and you live in LA long enough, you realize that like a lot of the things that a lot of things are gonna sizzle out and not happen, and you know, you kind of go from putting all your eggs in one basket when you're fresh and new here and you think that that first gig is going to be your big break and yeah. it doesn't go anywhere and can you realize that for me the mindset is just to build a, build a body of work like to always just be working on something new <clears throat> um, because every little thing you do will just kind of recruit new fans who dig, dig that kind of thing until you have like some you know big show that is a is a is a huge calling card for you it's just these little things I think that that help uh make you happy and yeah. um, you know just give the people a little bit more to, to chew on just to constantly be creating yeah well uh, are you able to create much in your show like I know you, it's hard to 
it's hard to improvise with magic because there's a method and there's a you know a strict structure of a trick and a routine. How much of the you know crowd work working out at the gym do you get when you're on the road and things like um, that? <clears throat> I mean, every 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 trick that in, involves a, an audience person or somebody comes on stage is just a chance for fun crowd work. So when I'm doing like the cup overhead bit, if I've got a guy up there who's a hand, like I might get seven minutes in with him before I even start the trick. So, and, and, and that's all stuff that's not like, oh, now I can, now I have that seven minutes, I can do it tomorrow because it's stuff that just happens once yeah. and that's why it's great is because it's this guy and everyone knows that he's just a guy, could have been this other guy, you know, yeah. could have been anybody. This is special for This is special. This doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. And, uh, it's temporary, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that kind of stuff, I just try to cherish and enjoy while it happens and get better at crowd work, you know, just like we're talking about Mac, like rehearse bits seem off the cuff. Yeah. Um, so every time funny stuff happens, you know, it files itself in there. So yeah. it's like an out. Yeah. When yeah. you meet a guy who's an engineer again, you can use that line again, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. you thought of that was funny. Um, so those don't necessarily, those are fun, but those aren't the gym, you know? So for me, uh, like I'm working on a new, you know, a cut and restored rope routine that's kind of a, a, a riff on that magic for high people, but kind of, uh, so, you know, a, an, like a, you know, a classic kind of paper falls over the head vibe that, uh, that I've been wanting to do since I was 17 and I'm finally now like putting this thing in the show. So I'm going to use every show I have as an opportunity to figure out what this bit is about. Why did it take so long to? Um... Why did it take so long? Well, there's certain tricks that are like, that have an element to them that is like super ballsy, that's easy to psych yourself out okay. and sure. and not do. Yeah. Um, like, uh, the I close with this, this number bit, you know, that is, uh, I remember, well, came out of necessity. Like, I, uh, I couldn't do what was my closer while I'm flying to New York to do this show. Um, what I was closing with was just done uh, by somebody else on TV, and I was like, well, I don't, I don't wanna have people be like, oh, is that that thing, you know? Yeah. So I was like, I need to, let me just close with something else. So on the flight, my buddy and I came up with this, this new trick that if I didn't need to do something new, I probably would've wimped out and not done it because it, it's just like a ballsy thing, and there's so it many things that could thing. go wrong. Um, and it's your closer, so that you, you know, it could only be made awkward yeah. by messing it up. But by forcing myself to do it, I got it in, and then I'm honing and honing, and now I have this thing that, for me, doesn't, it feels, it feels safe and cozy, even though it is super ballsy, yeah. you know? So, I think, um, just like the rope trick, I feel like it's a ballsy thing that, like, if you do anything that is, uh, you know, paper balls over the heady, in that the spectator could, if, he, if they see it, you're, you know, the, the, trick's the, the gig is up. Yeah. Uh, is a little bit scary to me. So, so getting stuff like that in so that it feels really um, tight and confident is mm -hmm. is important. Yeah. So that's the gym. That's yeah, exactly. Except a little more water here. Ah, fun. Do you want a refill of water? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Can do, do, do that. Do that. Yeah, yeah. And we're back. Ta-da! <clears throat> it was like no time passed. Mm -hmm. When did the when did this, the uh, podcast launch? Um, whenever the site launches, which will be mid to late. February. The site is the art of the magic. art of magic. Yeah, nice. And 
And what's that site all about? Is the is the podcast just one of many things on this yes. on the site that people are looking at right now? Yes. Yeah. People are yes. People are listening and looking at the site, uh-huh. trying to figure out what they want to buy. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's uh, just streaming magic tutorials, um, blog posts written by great magicians, performers, and things like that. We're gonna have the podcast. We're gonna have some web series that we're currently developing. Cool. Exactly. Maybe interested in including you on? Fun. Actually, we're definitely interested in including you on, but we have to wait until we got the green lights and everything. Yeah. Nice. Cool. But anyway, it's neat. Mm-hmm. It's fun. So it's yes. kind of we, we're thinking about it as like the iTunes of magic. Got it. And not just for magicians, but also an entry level. Yes. Place. Yeah, yeah, an entry level place, and also not even just for people interested in in you know magic per se but things mm-hmm. that are magical so the web series that we're working on is much more geared towards performance and sort of theoretical it's a like a round table discussion theoretical discussion about performing mm-hmm. with comedians musicians magicians get on there and talk about their different experiences and why this thing works and this thing doesn't work and nice what the different things feel for the or how they make the audience feel uh-huh. like that. interesting yeah cool do you do most of your touring by yourself? Do you take guys on the road with you? Um, I tour, I mean, mostly over the years it's been solo. Lately, I take, when I'm doing the clubs, if I can bring a, a comedian buddy as my feature act, I will. Daniel Kino is my comedian pal who, uh, you know, he's been one of my best friends forever, but uh, helps me kind of work on new material. He's also just one of the funniest people I know, so I'll bring him to, to open when he's available, uh, which is great. But for the most part, it's it's solo. I mean, sometimes I'll bring, if, 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 I, if it's like a corporate and there's extra travel money, I'll bring somebody to kind of help set up. But I'm kind of a micromanager more than I'd like to be in that I, you know, I really... You want to be able to I got to set it all up yeah. and everything like that, which makes it a little more stressful. But yeah, because I, I don't have that, you know, I don't have the road crew, I don't have, you know, stage manager, tour manager, doing all that stuff. Uh, so it's just me. Yeah. Yeah. How does your wife feel about all this traveling and stuff? Because I know... I'm 22. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, going out and finding a lady or meeting a lady or being with a person that is going to, you know, hopefully one day be my wife. And what's Mm -hmm. that, what's that going to be like, depending on, you know, from traveling or performing or things like that? How does that, how does that work? Well, um, I mean, she... She's, I mean, she she loves what I do for a living. She comes a lot with me on the road when when possible, when it's somewhere interesting, when it's not just like a, a there and back one nighter. Mm-hmm. She's coming with me to Madison because she went to college in Madison, so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, next weekend we're going we're doing a club in Columbus, Ohio. She's coming with me because it's Valentine's Day and the Sunday night show. Uh, market because it's Valentine's Sunday night show. We're gonna market as a Justin and Jill's first Valentine, so we're gonna do like a little comedy kind of uh, drunk history That's so panel sweet. Yeah, I love the, thing. the drunk history videos. Right? Yeah, so she comes when it's fun. Um, but she's like, you know, she's because she's a photographer, she has a podcast, she's a creator as well, doesn't have like a, 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 a an office job. Sure. That's possible. Yeah. But if it was the other way around, it, it could be really difficult because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think what attracts me to her and I, I'm sure anybody who I've been in a relationship with is kind of like independent somebody who's who is doing something on their own that is their thing has 
has their own hopes and dreams and passions and goals and uh, that's what makes you attracted to them and that's what makes yeah. them attracted to you so you want to be careful you don't um, absorb them into your life so that they're that they are don't have anything going on for themselves sure. except for you I feel like that can be a slippery slope yes um, you know because you want to I don't know you want to you want to be inspired you want to inspire each other with your different things so yeah. I love having her tell me about this thing that she's writing or thing that she's doing like it gets me gets me excited um, but uh, at first my, my instinct would always be like a, oh just you know quit that job quit, quit the job and come with me and we'll you know you don't need to. Well, we we'll, we'll make enough money. We're good. Yeah. You know, like because I'm a, uh, you know, have used to have more like codependent tendencies. I want to smother you and soak you up. Yeah. But that doesn't end well. You know, um, when they they you know your partner will will feel creatively stagnant and and uh, dependent on you and yeah, you want to the best you can kind of find balance. But I'm really lucky that she can come when when it's something interesting to her. Yeah. Um, I used to do cruises, cruise ships every once in a while, and she had, will never go on a cruise, so that'll never happen. Why um, will she never? Oh, she just, uh, you know, because people get norovirus on cruise ships, or everyone is puking for four days, or the ship gets abandoned in the middle of the water, which has never happened to me. But yeah, you know, some people have their certain fears, so I'm okay sure. with that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but like for our honeymoon, it was a it was a, a corporate gig in Bali that came up a couple of weeks before our wedding that we ended up. I mean, it became like the perfect thing that she was able to come with me for, and we were able to make a honeymoon out of it. So like, I mean, the fact that we get to go to exotic places and get paid for it as magicians is is amazing. Yeah, to go do card tricks the other side of the world is crazy. It's a pretty good uh, uh, argument to be made for. <laughs> dating magician I was like well yeah you know, I get to it's true. go to these places and these days obviously with technology and connectivity being what it is like you know like she did kind of she used to be an online photography teacher mm -hmm. so she would have to like grade photos and do these things from but she could do it from anywhere with an internet connection so yeah. um, it is pretty cool what we're able to do do you think that social media is doing good things for magicians um, yeah. yeah me I mean, for sure. I feel like people who dig magic now, who are not magicians, just magic fans, have access to so many different magic genres and, you know, like seeing clips like Shin Lim's Fool Us clip like blow up, like, and that's something that, you know, it's just people, people can now get to what they want yeah. and appreciate it and find more stuff like that, you know, so people can now... I have a lot of people who are not magicians who say, you know, bring up acts that they've seen on Fool Us and then get into like a YouTube hole where they see a bunch of cool stuff that they never would have seen. Yeah. So that's great. The shareability of it, you know, and Facebook shareability of these videos is awesome. Um, it, uh, I feel like if there's anything, the negative would be people who are new to magic thinking that the successful way to approach magic is to create short little shareable snippets versus versus also being able to perform live. Sure. You know, I feel like uh, for me, I mean, I just didn't have a choice. So I came up having to learn magic from VHSs or library books. And then it was never about like shooting myself and putting it online. It was about 
shows. Like, what can I do in front of people? What works? Yeah. You know, uh, having a regular restaurant gig enabled me to get really good at whatever card tricks or my repertoire and chop cup and all these things. Like, so I could perform for real people in a real life situation in any setting, loud, surrounded, whatever, as opposed to getting good at performing for, you know, the camera or whatever. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, the whole point of, you know, uh, having things online and shareable to be your calling card is to hopefully get people to want to hire you and come see you live. I mean, that's at least my formula. It doesn't have to be that way. Sure. I mean, if you can monetize it and make a living, you know, just using your magic on social media, which I think some people can, that's cool. But for me, I love, I love, you know, the live aspect. The live aspect, yeah. 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 And the, sort of the, I, it sounds gross to say like the connections that can be made that way, but you know, that, that is what it is, is, mm-hmm. you know, reaching more people and having them become interested. Exactly. I mean, the, another negative would just be, I mean, obviously you can find out how anything works if you search on YouTube and yeah. all the, you know, any trick with the word revealed or tutorial, you can find it. I feel like people who shouldn't find it rarely do. You know, like, you know, the people rarely go through the effort to figure out the trick. How do you yeah. do that? I don't know. I want to tell me. They're not going to go look it up. Yeah. But YouTube comments, like after they see something awesome and you can't help but scroll to see what people are talking about, people and what gets voted at the top and stirs all these conversations is people doing spoilers. Yeah. I think that's a bummer. I think that uh, it kind of just too quickly spoils the, the wonder and awe that somebody might have had about something. You yeah. Know? Um, and I think it's encouraging the wrong way to think about why we're doing magic in the first place. Yeah. You know, um, cause you can watch a bit that maybe there was just one little, tr- I mean, imagine Steve Martin's Flightini, which is this great comedy bit. Uh, you know, they're going to be talking about, oh, it's a fake hand, you know, oh, it's a fake hand, blah, blah, blah. And that's not what it's about. No. So, um, it robs yeah. the, the theater of it. Right. It trivializes. But in the end, more positive than negative. Yeah. It's coming out of yeah, yeah. just social media and magic. Yeah. And I think just, you know, the conversation. I, and, you know, I grew up in Louisiana in a place where there were no magicians. And I was lucky to have, you know, the online mm-hmm. uh, uh, books and videos and, and community. Right. And then you could show your move or what, your, you know, to somebody and you could get instant feedback from magicians that you trust. Yeah. That you would never be able to see in person because you're, you know, in, in a different place. Yeah. So it's pretty incredible. Do you think so? You said when you were a kid, you you wanted to be funny. Mm-hmm. Not that you weren't already funny, but it was just like something that you were conscious of. Do you think? Do you think you got into comedy because you wanted to do stuff live, or do you think you were performing so much live because you were interested in being funny? Well, I think because that, you can't be funny alone. Right. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think before I was really like necessarily funny on stage, I was always like funny in person, hanging, you know, like when I'm with my friends, you know, I feel like one of my skills is just kind of, I mean, for better or for worse, for years, it was just puns. Like I, my, my brain sometimes works really quick and yeah. kind of could have just a funny pun or just quick things to make my friends laugh, you know? Yeah. Um... Is that natural? Is that something that you I think owned? it was just, just natural. I mean, just like, obviously, like, 
we 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 watch comedy on TV and see see stand up and watch SNL and see these things and watch late night where we can see how uh, uh, an ad lib and a side works and what yeah. the tone is and what the pace is and why it's funny and yeah. you know kind there's a like a rhythm to it you know yeah. there's a music to it that that you don't necessarily seek out to learn but you just absorb you just your brain gets it you you know when you say something funny you know when and you know when funny. you miss yeah and you know. Like I know sometimes where when I'm with my friends now, like I can, I, I and that's where the confidence come it comes is from knowing, being able to knowing that you're good. At knowing it. it's gonna be funny before it comes out of your mouth means that you can then deliver it in a really strong manner that makes it funnier because it was really quick and not overthought and few words and not hoping that you like it. You know, yeah. you just you know you can you get that confidence from. From years of feedback and trial and error. Do you laugh at your own ribs like that? Sometimes, yeah. 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 That's my favorite thing. I mean, sometimes I... self laugh? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, and it drives... I mean, obviously, my wife, uh, like, I I will... I will uh, scrape the bottom of the barrel sometimes, puns and things like that. Because it just makes me happy and gets lots of eye rolls from her. But, But I love that part of my brain. Not necessarily, like... Because I don't really sit down and, like, write a joke... But I will see what kind of comes off the cuff mm-hmm. and refine that, and then that becomes the patter that, that kind of carries me over time, little sure. asides and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think that can be learned? Because I, you know, I, I hear from people in comedy like you know you can't you can't learn how to be funny, right? But funny people will take improv classes and they learn how to do improv mm-hmm. you know so uh, I'm not I'm not totally convinced that you can't learn to be funny though I have no evidence or experience well I, I mean you're it's like um, it's interesting because you can learn how to be a musician you can learn how to play an instrument but you can't necessarily learn how to be a virtuoso you can't necessarily learn how to, you can learn how to play music but you can't necessarily learn how to write music yeah uh, I mean, you can learn how to write music, but you can't necessarily learn how to write brilliant music. Yeah. Sometimes it just happens. People sure. have a gift. So, um, you know, with comedy, people can learn how to tell tell a joke, learn how to, you know, write a joke. Uh, so you can learn how to make people laugh, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you can necessarily learn how to innately be funny if you aren't. Like... Um, people can get yeah if that makes any sense you know what I mean yeah no I see exactly what you're saying I just I just wonder if there's a you know because the more you're steeped in something the more fluid it becomes in yourself mm-hmm. so I just you know I've always been fascinated by people you know putting in their 10,000 hours and just it becoming part of them mm-hmm. you know and I wonder if somebody who isn't funny who doesn't have a sense of humor can't develop one and it become a natural throw out a joke riff bit thing I mean but then could you say maybe that person had it there all along that there was a thing there, oh, you know? checkmate that's what I you know. just did I, don't, I mean I don't know it's uh, I mean I can't exp- I have friends who will admit that they are not funny that they you know like my buddy like yeah, I, I think there's something to you be said for... Well, no, like... So, Justin Flom. 
not one of my good friends. <laughs> well, he says, no, I'm not guy. funny. I'm yeah. not, because he used to also, you know, build himself as a comedy magician. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, he's funny. He's a funny performer. He knows yeah. how to tell a joke. He knows how to get a laugh. He knows how to do a trick. And he knows where, you know, where the comedy could come from. But sure. he doesn't think he is like a, like a, uh, doesn't consider himself a comedian. Doesn't think he's like, you know, exudes, exudes. He doesn't think being funny is his strongest suit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a great magician. He knows how to present magic that is strong and direct, and he knows how to work a crowd. Yeah. So he stopped like marketing himself as a comedian. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or as a comedy magician. True. You know. So I think there's a strength in knowing what you're good at and what you're not great at. Yeah. And not try to force something that isn't really there. I mean, there's everyone calls himself a comedy magician yeah. these days. You know. Um, but why not just call yourself a magician and have people be pleasantly surprised when funny stuff happens? You know, there's something there to be said. I think I think there's probably a uh, like a you know I think we're still fighting against that stereotype of what a magician is, and so adding comedy to that label kind of softens the blow. Mm-hmm. You know, or or makes it more palatable. True. You True. Know? I don't think I don't. I think people to are because if they just hear magician, they're like, oh, I think people what? Are what is that? What kind? Afraid Ooh. to say that about themselves. Yeah, comedy exactly. magician. Okay, all right. So it'll be fine. It'll be it'll fun. fun. That's yeah. good. That's good to know. It'll be fun. Yeah, I see what you mean. That, may, that, that makes sense. It's probably you know, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It makes yeah. sense. I mean, I, I I know there are definitely people who who aren't funny who work really hard to be funny and you know just just doesn't feel organic to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. and it also you know. Doesn't feel organic to anyone else either. Right. When they when they then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's such a weird thing. Just you know the energy of it. The there's like a tactile feeling of funny. Mm-hmm. You know, and electricity mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I really like that. And it comes in any you know in all shapes and forms, and you know. There's there's something funny about someone who's not trying to be funny when you know like with magic you it's this tension release tension release so you somebody who's not even trying to go for laughs but when they break the tension with just like you know, well like Ossie you yeah. know he's not a comedy magician yeah no but because he does really strong magic and creates this tension and intensity when he delivers an aside or a deadpan break it kills just as big as a, a you know a big joke would kill. Yeah, yeah. You know because it's unexpected. Mm-hmm. It's a way of manipulating the audience. Exactly. But again, I think that's that's you know that's a like an intuition about it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe comedy is just intuition done in a way that's unexpected. Yeah. Observant. Yes. I mean, it re- it's about saying it exact right place and right time. Yeah. And sometimes the opportunity will pass, and you just need to ditch it and move you on. Let, you Otherwise, it it's like, well, that's not. That was twenty seconds ago. Yeah, yeah. I I told I already told this story on another podcast, but I'm going to repeat it because okay. I think you'll appreciate it. Uh, I was at the Getty Villa with someone who was Jewish, and mm-hmm. we were in the gift shop, and there was a book on the shelf that says. Uh, the Story of the Jews. The title of it is The Story of the Jews. Mm-hmm. And I point to the book and I'm like, hey, look, there's a book about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, The Story of the Jews. And the person behind the counter, <laughs> the person behind the counter looks at us, deadpan. It ends better than you think. Ha. And it was, it was the most perfect thing I'd ever heard in the moment. Totally, you know, we were, he weren't even conscious of him being there. Mm-hmm. Oh, The Story of the Jews. And he looks over. It ends better than you think. That's funny. It was, 
it was it was the hardest I've laughed in recent memory. Wow. It was incredible. It was so perfect and it was delivered in such a way. It was like lightning struck. Wow. It was amazing. That's funny. Yeah. Right place, right time. Few words. It, yeah, there's something like You don't need to overkill. Of, you don't need yes. to like throw everything you got. There's economy of motion, the economy yes. of language. Yes. You know. That's the linguistics of it are fascinating. It's true. Yeah. Do you play with that kind of stuff? Do you change? Do you do the Seinfeld thing where you take out a syllable or you adjust um, a word? Or yeah, I'm not as uh, Myth- you know, m- yeah, methodic and scripted, and you know, looking at the, you know, I've got I've got the show scripted, but I don't like. I might go back to it because I maybe forgot a joke, and I'm trying to remember what was that joke that was in there. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you like um, the freedom of having yeah. the room to breathe. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But there is something to say for that, obviously, because I will do a bit. I think I'm saying it the same way, but man, it just that didn't go over well. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong, you know. And it is amazing the little tiny things that make a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Do you film your shows? Uh, I don't film all of them. I audio record all of them. Speaking of which, when's your album coming? Out? Oh yeah, we're talking about that. Uh, we're at some point, just, yeah, we'll at get, some point, yeah, we're, yeah, we're gonna do that. Okay. Um, I just like the idea of. Doing something that seems really stupid, but I feel like it—I feel like it wouldn't be stupid doing. I don't think you know? so. Yeah, I mean that's some of Steve Martin's greatest bits on his albums are yes, very visual. physical comedy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it makes you—I think it creates the theater of the mind, and it makes you uh, almost be a little more enraptured, wondering what's going on, and yeah, making yeah. the audience laugh like that. Yeah, yeah. But you do audio record your. I do because I. Um, We'll go back and listen to how I said it. If that was a great one, I want to go back and listen to that. Uh, you know, just to, to tighten it up, and mm-hmm. uh, it's also very, uh, you know, painstaking process because when you listen to it, you're like, God, I'm saying so many more things than I need to. I'm talking so much, unnecessary, you know. Yeah. And I think that's just as a performer over the years needing to make sure there's no dead air, so you just kind of fill, 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 fill. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, listening to the show is, is really helpful for me. Yeah. Does the silence make you uncomfortable? Is that why? Not just because there shouldn't be dead air, but mm-hmm. is it, are you like physically uncomfortable when there is... No, I mean, I think you watch good comedy and between bits, it's just kind of take a sip of water and the silence Let gets, everybody. gets everyone very back in tune to the show. Yeah. Um... Yeah, silence can be a great tool to really just focus energy and do that tension release. And, you know, you have a payoff. You could actually get a much bigger laugh yeah. from the silence, you know. Um, yeah, so you should be comfortable with silence. You should be okay with it to breathe, to have the audience kind of just wonder what you're going to do and say next. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. that's great. Feels good. Mm-hmm. That's it's good. like you're kind of resetting. Exactly. Um, yeah. Do you even do you have a time frame for the album? Because I I love you like that idea. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, well, if I do when I do it, I want to do it right and have focus. You know, focus on it so it's not just the audio recording of my show as it is now. But I want to have some some bits that are catered to the concept of it being a sure an audio recording. Yeah. yeah. Or do you already have bits that you're like, oh, this would be great for that? Or yeah, I mean, I, I just the guys of doing my show and constantly. Being self-aware of the fact that the audience, the, the listener is not going to know what this part is, so I constantly, almost director's commentary of what's going on as it's going, I think would be funny to the people watching the show and hopefully listening to it. So, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, the sound of magic. The sound of magic. Mm-hmm. I think that's so great. <laughs>
Are you good on time? Um, I am. It probably should, yeah, bring it to a rousing conclusion. A rousing so, conclusion. Yeah, some big okay. grand finale. Should should we do a prototype of the album? Do you want to do a trick? <laughs> an, uh, an audio Narrative? trick here? Yeah. No, we don't have to do that. I'm just kidding. I just pulled off my thumb. He did it for real, too. Mm-hmm. You would have been amazed. The old lighter stunning. Egg, right? Stunning, yep. Silence is golden. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. I really my pleasure. Did you fun. have a good time? Yeah, I did. Good. I did. Me too. Um, it's fun to... Well, it makes me want to have a podcast so you can sit down with somebody with phones off and actually talk at length. Yeah, that yeah. you never get to do yeah. in real life. Uh, and I think it's fun for people to listen to different... Um, takes and philosophies and mindsets about the world of magic so yeah if people hung on for this this whole length i uh they, i commend you you must be on a long drive we're honored yeah keep your eyes on the road <laughs> sorry about the traffic uh-huh. <laughs> um oh, oh, well. oh yeah well it, it was just uh that the whole the reason i wanted to do this was so that i could sit in with people that i admire just mm-hmm. soak up there Essence. Like we're not was, really even recording, are we? This is just no. Uh, this was a whole this is just Elliot hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Well, good. I'm jealous. I wanted. I want to do this too. Yeah. We'll just tell do. people you have a podcast. Okay. Amazing. Doesn't have to be real. Come on. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just get a realistic looking mic with. Uh, you take a D light apart, put the little LED in there, and yeah, yeah. This is styrofoam. It's yeah. made of. <laughs> it's actually made of paper. <laughs> yeah. That fooled the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. That's a good trick. Good. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. Hi. That was, was, listen, thank you for listening. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yes, of course. Silence. Forever. Good times. Yeah. Thanks, man. Of course. (sighs) And that's magic. Yeah. (laughs)